Welcome to the Live Courageously podcast show. I'm your host, John Duffy, and this is the 52nd Live Courageously podcast show since I started the show about two years ago. Live Courageously has been the conscious theme of my life from the last three years since the beginning of the pandemic in 2020, and has been an unconscious theme for most of my life. Courage is resistance to fear, mastery of fear, not absence of fear. So today, let's meet today's courageous guest, Scott Duncan. Scott Duncan, U.S. Marine Corps, retired, served in the Marine Corps for 21 years as a logistician, well, that's a tough word, commanded at the company and battalion level and served in combat in Iraq. Since transitioning from the Marine Corps in 2012, Scott successfully concentrated his energy and commitment to workforce development strategies in support of transitioning military service members and veterans. Those outcomes have led to their successful transition, recruitment, and employment into the civilian workforce. Over time, his advocacy for those who served and served has become his passion. It's Scott's why. Scott is committed to helping others by shining a light on the path to a better life, helping people discover what's next beyond service. He understands how to motivate and lead people in achieving optimum results through personal engagement, listening, and team building. Uh, his experiences have taught him the critical importance of building and maintaining solid personal and professional relationships. And these relationships laid a foundation for achieving maximum results in both life and business. Scott also created uh, and hosted a podcast show, uh, host the podcast show, What's Next? Beyond Service and is an advisor to the power of our story. Greetings, Scott, and welcome to uh, Live Courageously. Well, John, I tell you what, that was one heck of an introduction. Uh, I'm very humbled. <laughs> you uh, put a little bit of work into that uh, compared to what I gave you, and uh, I just want to thank you for having me on your show today. Well, you're very welcome. Uh, you know, I always start out the show with two questions, so I'm going to do that today as well. And the first one I always ask my guests, because most of, not every guest, but almost all the 52 so far have been people I've met personally in life, not just through the uh, social media. So how did we meet? What was our first encounter? And then I'd like to share that with the audience too, because it kind of gives them a little insight to how people connect in this world. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, so from what I recall, uh, I, I got a... A call from a, fun, a, a friend of mine who is a retired Marine. And uh, he asked me, uh, Paul Cucinato, by the way, he's a retired Marine Colonel. Uh, we kind of grew up in the Marine Corps together. And he asked if, hey, are you busy uh, in a few days? I was going to come out to California and be the keynote at Wings Over Wendy's, an organization that was started about 20 years ago. Uh, and I know you'll correct me if I get any of this wrong. <laughs> Uh, by some Air Force fellows, and it's grown to hundreds of folks over the years here in Southern California mainly. But uh, at any rate, uh, he was unable to fulfill the keynote speaking address, so he asked if I could do it, and he connected me with uh, some folks there. I showed up, uh, gave the keynote address. You were the first person that I met when I came in to the country club there where the event was being held. You and I chatted for a while. You actually showed me where the, the men's room was, which was <laughs> kind of important after a like three and a half hour drive in LA traffic uh, with a lot of coffee <laughs> to get there in the morning. 
but at any rate, so yeah, that, that's how we uh, connected. It was uh, kind of through LinkedIn, but uh, you know, with some help from a Marine and the folks in your organization. And I, I want to tell you, that was a, a fantastic day, by the way. I got to meet a lot of really good people who have similar uh, concerns uh, about, I guess, where we're headed as a country, but also understand the importance of service, uh, military service, but then going beyond that and serving in our communities and doing great things to, to help people and, and lift folks up. And I, I was very, very pleased to see uh, that you guys were all about that stuff and that even some World War II veterans uh, were at the event. Uh, there was, uh, what, maybe five or six. I, I can't remember the number, but you know they're still kicking and they're still showing up. So God bless them. <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. And uh, you gave an excellent, and we'll talk a little bit about that, but you gave an excellent presentation keynote to uh, Wings Over Wendy's who's a shout out to Ed Reynolds, who kind of heads it up, and uh, Bob Donovan, who reached out to you. And of course, you know, Bob and myself have been friends with Paul Cuccinaris uh, for years now. Um, so the fact that he connected you, you know, we, uh, Bob felt very comfortable that was gonna be a great speaker if Paul recommended you. So uh, I think you lived up to the occasion. You gave an excellent uh, presentation. And there was one gentleman there, like you said, one guy, I think he's in his late 90s, uh, Bonnie Leone, who's from the Bronx like myself and uh, has a great history. And, you know, it's a great group of people, you know what I mean? All through, even when COVID was going on, they, they met uh, virtually and then they met in person and they were not afraid to come out and meet. And they're all in their like 80s and 90s. What a great uh, group of courageous people. Which leads me to my second question, but I'll come back to your speech, is... What does living courageously mean to you, um, Scott? That's a good question. Well, a couple things come to mind, but here recently, I, I think living courageously for me is speaking your truth, whether that's comfortable or, or not, you know, and sometimes it may make others uncomfortable, but uh, not that you're looking to make people uncomfortable, but sometimes when you speak your truth, uh, it may be hard for others to maybe understand. But it it doesn't mean that you shouldn't be uh, kind with your words, right? There's a way to let folks know what you're thinking about and what you believe. Uh, you should feel very competent in speaking to your beliefs, but you shouldn't feel like you can't, right? I, I think we really need to make sure that we understand that our First Amendment matters and that people serve in the military and first responders, right? We're all kind of in this together uh, and that our system of government is the best there is uh, and that those men who founded this country, uh, they were ordained, I believe, from, from God. And what they said now uh, then is more important now than maybe then uh, because we're going through some uh, interesting times, which I won't get into all that. But so in answering your question, I, I think living courageously is believing in what you believe, being willing to talk about it, and then being willing to listen to other people as well uh, because that's part of being courageous too. Uh, if you're wanting folks to listen to you, you have to do the same with others and be willing to think about what they say, because you know what? Maybe they're right. 
uh, or, you know, their, their opinion uh, should be listened to. So, well, you know, all that I agree, but I, I, I really like, you know, the last point you just made, because I think, you know, for people to realize to have courage is all kinds of things, right? And, and you know, we'll talk about that in your courage and serving in the military, that's one form of courage. It's all forms of courage. But, you know, the small little courages, but they're still co being courageous and willing to listen to people and consider their thought, uh, uh, things and having that ability to not be afraid to do that and be willing to challenge your own opinions is courage. Because uh, a lot of people don't have, unfortunately, or have not been given the, uh, uh, in the advice to be able to take that on. So a lot of people just don't want to listen to other people or they're afraid to hear an opinion that disagrees with their opinion because it, it some, on some level it threatens them. And you know, that's when you exhibit that courage. So thank you for, for bringing that point up. Um, just going through your uh, thing to, to take us through the journey, tell us your background and what got you to join the U.S. Marine Corps and then a little bit of your journey in the Marine Corps so we understand you know, who you were and who you became uh, as you went through that uh, path in life. Well, certainly. So uh, going, back, uh, a number of, <laughs> yeah, going back, going uh, back, way back, uh, my grandfather on my mom's side was a Marine. Uh, he grew up in the Depression era in uh, Lake Erie, Pennsylvania. Uh, when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, his best friend comes to him and says, hey, Paulie, uh, the Japanese that bombed Pearl Harbor, and we need we need to go join the Marines. He didn't know what Pearl Harbor was. You know, he'd never really heard of the Marines. He was just a country boy in, in Pennsylvania who went with his buddy to enlist in the Marine Corps. Uh, his friend was unable to get into the Marine Corps, and so he went into the Army and had a, had a different experience. He, he was in Europe. My grandfather wound up fighting in the Battle of Tarawa, which is one of the bloodiest battles of the Second World War. And uh, he survived, came back, and spent 35 years as a fireman in the Federal Firefighting Service. Wow. So I grew up listening to stories about the Marine Corps and about being a firefighter and then about service to community because he was a member of the same church for nearly 60 years. And as he got older, he got into Meals, for wheel, uh, meals on Wheels where they're taking meals to shut-ins and he helped run the soup kitchen at the church. You know, so he was very involved in community, uh, in giving to others. And that was a seed planted in me. Uh, you know, when I was younger, I didn't necessarily understand all of it, you know, until you start experiencing life and you have memories that when things seem familiar and it's like, oh, granddaddy talked about that or granddaddy did that. So a long way about why I became a Marine, he was fundamentally why. Uh, even though he served four years, I admired him for the man that he had become. And I always thought, you know, if I could be a third of the person that he became, I would be a successful person. I would be a good person. So uh, now my my dad, my you know biological dad, he was in the Air Force. He was actually Marine Corps Reserve and then went into the Air Force for, for some unknown reason. But no, I'm <laughs> he was a musician. He was a very good musician. His dad was, too. So he had a great career in, you know, in, as a musician in the Air Force. My stepdad did 27 years in the Navy. He was a chief engineman. Uh, my, my biological dad, they were enlisted. Uh, and then my brother was in the Army. He was in artillery. 
So I, you know, I had the choice of services, but again, my grandfather helped me kind of hone in on the Marine Corps. And I raised my right hand uh, as the end of the Gulf War was, you know, it was turning down. But I felt at that point, I'd already gone through college and had a job, but when Desert Storm picked up, I felt obligated. Um, even going back further, I, I was looking to, I wanted to fly in the Marine Corps, but uh, in college, my eyesight changed. So I decided, well, you know, we'll see what happens. Desert Storm comes up. I raise my right hand with the OSO, and it takes like nine months to go from raising your hand to being approved, you know, all the way up to Philadelphia where they put a blessing on it. Then you go and get a, approval uh, from Congress and all that good stuff. So I wound up getting commissioned in um, April of 92 and served for 21 years, served in combat in Iraq in 2003. I was with the 15th Marine Expeditionary Unit. It's a uh, special ops capable unit. You go through workups to get that credentialing, so to speak. And so we, we sailed out of San Diego. I remember looking at the shoreline going outside of the, the little Bay area and, and thinking, man, I, I hope this isn't the last time I see this place. Mm. And, and that thought was in a lot of folks head, right. Uh, as we were kind of sailing off into the unknown and we even got into 40 foot seas on the way over because it was, you know, winter time and you get some storms that are pretty nice out in the, the Pacific. But anyhow, you know, I was part of the folks that kicked the door open in Iraq. Uh, that was a very, interesting time in my career because you train a lot as a Marine for combat and you always wonder, you know, are you going to meet the mark? Are the folks that your Marines and sailors, are they going to do what you entrust them to do? And the unit that I was with was an incredible unit. Everybody did what they were supposed to do times 10. And even when things became complicated, they thought of creative ways to fix problems or to go around something to get to the objective. And, you know, looking back on that, that was the most fulfilling, even though it was the most challenging time in my service, it was the most fulfilling because fortunately for us, no one in our unit uh, died in combat. You know, we had some folks who were injured, but uh, we all came back alive and continued service uh, in the Marine Corps. Um, Fast forward, I was a lieutenant colonel, and I was uh, at uh, 3rd Marine Air Wing, and I, I was the uh, assistant chief of staff, G4 for aviation ground support. You know, I worked in the general staff, and I was helping to prepare to go to Afghanistan uh, because the Marine Corps in, in 2009 was taking on the responsibility for transitioning in 2010 to you know, take over in Afghanistan. So I was part of all the planning to get all the aviation assets and ground aviation assets over uh, to Afghanistan and spent a lot of time in the planning. And then right when we were getting ready to execute, I got selected for command and wound up having to go to my command and didn't deploy to Afghanistan. So that, that was kind of a bittersweet thing with me because you prepare with your folks, then your folks go without you. And so you feel, uh, I mean, it is it is what it is, right? You, you take your orders and you go, but you still feel like uh, 
not that you let them down, but you, you feel like you should have been there, you know. Right, that you wanted um, to be there with them. I, that was your, the people, and you wanted to, you wanted to go as a leader to that um, uh, place with them. Right, and well, you know, actually, I even asked the, the general at the time, the uh, CG, I said, hey, is it possible to go and then replace me in theater? And he, he said, no. <laughs> he said, that's a little too much. Uh, it's hard to find lieutenant colonels. Uh, and so, you know, we're going to go ahead and find your, the guy to replace you now, and you go on and, and be a battalion commander. So, so that's what I did. I, I did my two years, and then at the end of my two years as a battalion commander, I was six months away from being looked at for 06, you know, for Fulberg Colonel. And they wanted to extend me a year in command, which is a good thing. Uh, and then it was uh, top-level school. You know, if you if you do this extra year, we'll look at sending you to top-level school, a joint toward the Pentagon, which is another check in the block career-wise, you know, and then we'll see what happens. But at that point in my life, I had been away from family uh, a lot. And my family was in California, and I would have spent two to five years away from the family. And that would have been by choice, not like you're with a unit that's deploying, but making the choice to be a geographic bachelor that we, that's what we call it. So I decided it was time to go. And so I was just over 20. And by the time I retired, I was retiring at, at 21 year service, but I, I love the Marine Corps. Uh, the Marine Corps changed a lot in the last 11 years I've been out, but I, I still love being a Marine. Once a Marine, always a Marine. And, uh, I think service is important and I think younger folks need to understand that. Well, I know, you know, my first, uh, involvement or meeting the Marine Corps was I, I was hired with a company to do some uh, training videos for the Marine Corps. And we went to Camp Pendleton. Um, and then we went down to, uh, Quantico boat for their winter and summer uh, training programs for the OCS and we went down to South Carolina and we filmed all these uh, uh, videos, uh, basically recruitment videos for the U.S. Marine Corps. And at the time, you know, that was the first time I was up close and personal. And we saw everything from when they came across and stood on the yellow footprints to they be actually uh, graduated, all that, as you know, that experience. And, you know, for me, it was uh, on every level. I felt at that time that I met the best people I met in my life. In, in that, the people who are, uh, you know, in leadership, the actual people who are willing to commit to become Marines, um, their families who are supporting them on that journey. And it was just, it was just an incredible experience for me to come across such amazing people with such commitment of service. And so that kind of triggered a thing in me to go, what do I do to get as a civilian to give back? And that's why I started volunteering in Hollywood to all the support for military veterans who are trying to work in the industry. I was like, what can I do? Anything you need, I'm there. What do you need? I'm there. Because, it, you know, I was so impressed by it. It, it just, it, it definitely changed my perspective on life in, in such a positive way. Uh, and I never would have had that experience if I didn't get up close and personal and get to see who they really are and what they do. Um, so, you know, and then I've made great friends like Paul Cucinata and then you, you know, we, you know, we met at that event and then we got a chance to sit down when I came down to, um, Temecula to go to, to support this group that's rescuing children from sex traffickers. We were going to have like a 15 minute coffee. And I think it was two hours that we spent together yeah. talking. Right. Um, and that's we right. could have spent another two hours, I'm sure. 
but that you know that's kind of what connected us and then you connected me with a woman marine to be on my show um and then i wanted to have you on as well so you know it's just that thing you said it in the beginning service you know you got it from your grandfather you went in you served in, in the thing and then out of uh, the military and there's one story you told me uh scott that i'd love you know that that really struck with me uh that day at over coffee in the morning was you were talking about you know you'd be working at, at base and you'd be exhausted long hours and you'd come by home and you'd see this gigantic flag tell us that story man that, you remember that just that. That's that just touched me man it was just such a powerful story well yeah john i mean it it it's true uh that was when i was with the you know the mu musoc program and you're busy you're busy getting ready for that you know to make that qualification and then to get on the navy ships and go do business right so you know i was getting up at like four o'clock in the morning getting to work you know by around 5 30 ish and then a lot of times not getting home till close to midnight and i had about a 35 40 minute drive uh without traffic <laughs> uh, and leaving that late and that early, I didn't really hit a whole lot of traffic. Right. So I guess that was the upside, uh, you know, missing Southern California traffic, but yeah, coming home, very tired uh, because, you know, you're, you're also out in the field, you know, doing ops and whatnot as you're getting ready to deploy. So you're coming home beat and coming down the hill, down the 15, as you're dropping into Temecula Valley and you look over to your left and you see this gigantic flag. And usually in the evening, there's a breeze. And as big as that flag is, somehow that thing kicks up. And it's just like slow motion as it ripples and bends in the wind. And every time, no matter how damn tired I was, I got chill bumps and I just felt my heart. God bless America. We are so fortunate to live here. And... Uh, you know, protecting and defending the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, you know, it, it means something. And that's why we that's why we raise our right hand and we swear that oath. And uh, yeah, that was a motivator. And I mean, God, I think God put that flag there because it, it's more than just me seeing that flag. Right. That's a huge you can't miss that flag. There's no way. But, you know, it's. It's just, once again, after all that time, all those years, all your uh, commitment, all your service, just that, you know, you got goosebumps on your arm. That's why it stood out for me. It was like, you know, that you you still had that. It, it just it was a deep emotional feeling uh, that was so powerful. Um, and, and, you know, that's why I remember that Well, John, story. it's like whenever you hear the Marine hymn, you, you this, that... that chill goes up and down your spine and you or, or, I, mean, or I, you, I get you it have today it behind still. you too but your, your 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 slogan i got one of these of course from from all, all your friend or my friends who are in the uh, marine corps and it's you know and it's and you're right yes yeah, and you got one right behind you simplify right and yeah. it, always it, faithful it, always faithful and and you know that all, all that that commitment to service you know it, people don't realize that one of the greatest gifts you can have in life is to serve others. And you, know, and you can serve in all kinds of different ways. And people who don't serve or don't give to others are just kinda, they lose in the process because they don't gain the, the, what you get from being in service. And so you, you, know, you, you do the, the 21 years in the military, but then you come out and now you're a civilian, but you're still serving. 
so tell us, t take us through that transition for yourself, what you, how you transition, and then all the ways that you're still in service now, and we'll get into the podcast and the other uh, ways that you're in service to help others of, of military people to do that same process and be successful in life and be of service to others. Right. Well, so as I said, I, I retired in 2012, and it wasn't a planned retirement in that I made a decision to retire relatively soon because uh, they wanted to keep me for another year. And if I would have said yes, you know, the second and third order effects uh, were more than what I was willing to to go into at the time. Because, you know, I had done 20 years, and so I, I, I decided to retire. So I had like 90 days uh, to get my act together to retire. And it takes two years to have a solid plan and execution of a plan to have a good turnover. Cause there's a lot of things that go into retirement. So people that are thinking about retiring, or even if you're not thinking about retiring, you got to think about how you leave the military. Right. Uh, because it could happen like me, you know, Hey, you have a decision to make or you get injured and your service is over. So if you're not thinking about these things, uh, you should be. Certainly if you're getting up towards ending your time in service. So for me, I didn't have a solid transition plan. So I learned a lot of valuable lessons about I should have been paying more attention to that as I approached 20. And, and I wasn't. I was thinking, hey, I've easily got another five or 10 years in this green machine. So I did learn some very you know, well, well learned, but uh, maybe not graceful lessons about how to transition. It, it was tough at first, uh, but I, I wound up uh, connecting with some folks locally here, a, a gentleman, and uh, we talked about the fact that we felt service was important. How could we help veterans who were transitioning from service? And again, having a kind of a bumpy road out, that really clued in with me. I thought, hey, this is good stuff. What, what can we do with this? So long story short, we started recruiting and bringing folks into a training program. And the training program ended up in a credentialing certificate that is a North American gold standard uh, for the uh, industry. It's North American Board of Certified Energy Practitioners uh, in the solar industry. So you teach them how to uh, design and build uh, PV solar systems, residentially and commercially. So we recruit, we train them, we got them uh, to take the test at the end of the training, they pass, they get their cert. And then we had a, uh, uh, what's the word, I'm like a, a placement pipeline for companies that were local companies, regional, and then companies at the national level who were looking to hire people who served in the military, who also had that credential for the industry because it's expensive to, you know, take your employee out of the job, send them to school, get them trained, because it takes, you know, depending on which program, it could take up to a month, right? So uh, anyhow, uh, the program was, it was very successful. We had good success getting on to the bases and stations, you know, the Air Force, Navy, Marine Corps, to have time to present, explain to them what the program's about, why it's important to, you know, get credentialed, and then we brought them in, trained them, and then we placed them uh, across the United States. Now, I, I did that uh, with the beginning company nonprofit, but then I 
peeled off and replicated what I was doing uh, with a new company that actually was able to train folks locally in Southern California and then also proctor the exam. So everything was self-contained. Also wound up partnering with another gentleman that owned a, a business college. And we were able to work with him to work with the state of California to be able to bring in um, the, uh, the VA component so that uh, veterans didn't have to pay out of pocket. Their VA benefits would pay for the program. So it was no direct cost to them, right? It was the benefit that they accrued through their uh, uh, VA benefits, the post 9-11 benefits. So, you know, we did a lot of good stuff. We, we placed uh, probably close to 200 people during that time frame, And I was looking to expand upon that. But the folks I partnered with were in the solar industry and they were, you know, focused down that lane. I wanted to open it up to HVAC training to maybe plumbing to uh, some medical uh, fields. And, you know, we decided to go our own way, uh, which was fine, right? I mean, things don't last forever. But as I was looking to get in uh, with a, another gentleman, COVID came up and then everything kind of kind of shut down. And so during 2020, uh, I met with Sarah Carell who I love to death. She is an incredible woman. She's uh, runs the power of our story and she's built that thing out to an amazing organization that is about service. Yeah. Well, there you go right there. And there, there's their, that's from their website. That's their logo. And it, essentially uh, they work with veterans, with first responders, and they create what, you know, kind of a safe space for lack of a better word, where they can come in and talk about things that uh, are stressful for them, you know, whether it's post-traumatic stress, uh, whatever the issue might be, right? Uh, because some folks have a very difficult time in, in transition. It's not just a checklist that you leave the military from. There's things that happen to you. You know, you may get injured physically or, you know, morally. Uh, and that's that's a true, that's a Moral injury is, is a real thing, and mm. without getting into the, specific, the specifics on that. But at any rate, uh, Sarah asked if I was interested in joining the Power Story. And I was talking to her. I said, you know, this is good timing because I was looking to uh, build a podcast, and I wanted to focus on veterans transitioning from service to help them because, yeah, there are uh, programs set up transition programs to help get folks from A to Z. But it's, again, it's kind of on a checklist mentality, right? It's all the things that you need to go through. And there's a lot of really good lists or charts that go, you know, two years out from your retirement time that tell you, you need to do this at this time, this at that time, make sure you're, you know, and that's great, but you know, a monkey can do that. Right. Uh, and so what about the things that they don't talk about? Like, a loss of your sense of purpose, hmm. uh, how to interview, how to write a resume, how to network. I mean, there's a lot of things that are not necessarily tangible up front. There's an art and a science. And so it takes time to understand these things and to go through the process of learning how to write a resume and learning how to interview, how to answer questions, you know, uh, but, 
getting to the sense of purpose thing, that was kind of a, a prime mover for me because when you, especially if you serve 20 or 30 years, that's all you know. And you are completely vested in your service. Then you come out and you're not wearing a uniform anymore. And maybe your hair's a little longer. Folks don't identify necessarily that, hey, you served. And it can become lonely, especially if you're not successful securing employment and you really need employment, right? You know, some folks serve 30 years and they're comfortable. Others maybe did 10 years and they're married. They have a mortgage. They've, you know, they've got bills. They've got to quickly find a job. And if you're not successful doing that, you can really start to doubt yourself. Why did I get out of the military? I should have stayed in. Or, man, I thought that with all my experience, this was going to be easy. But I've sent hundreds of resumes. I'm not getting anyone replying. It's always, well, hey, thank you. Or maybe they don't even reply at all, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, so then you start to feel, uh, gee whiz, maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was. And you can start to get into a bit of a spin. Some folks can go in, you know, in, into a deep spin. They can start drinking or maybe doing drugs or having, you know, psychological issues of depression and it can get pretty dark. So all of that said, that was kind of the catalyst for why I wanted to have my podcast and my podcast real quick. I I bring in folks who have successfully transitioned from military service. It's what's next beyond service. Thanks, John. And I also included over time through being with the power story, I included first responders because they have a a similar process with how hard transitioning is. They don't have a VA, right? They don't have all the benefits that we have with the federal government through our military service. And it's difficult for them. And they're also facing the possibility of death just about every day, you know, as a police officer or even a a firefighter, right? Uh, It's just a different job. Thank God for the courageous men and women that, that do that. They help keep the flames of freedom uh, alive here uh, at home. But I, I expanded my program to those people. So I would, you know, go out and find these folks, chat with them, and then, you know, they'd agree to come on. And then we would talk about a little bit about their background and service, whatever it was. And then we spend the most of the time talking about their journey in transition. What, what went well? What you know, were the mistakes you made? What would you do over again? You know, what are the top two things advice-wise that you want to share with the audience uh, for folks who will be transitioning? And uh, and it's amazing. These people all were willing to tell, you know, open kimono, so to speak, what their issues were. And I have about 43, I can't remember the exact number, uh, podcasts from my first season. Uh, I took almost a year off to go to season two a lot of change happening in you know on the home front and uh so probably in early november i'll be kicking off season two and so anyhow uh, i'm kind of opening the aperture on what the uh, podcast is going to be about i'll be doing what i just explained but i've got a few more things in the hopper to kind of expand on uh, what services and your previous 43 shows are available on YouTube under, uh, yes. once again, What's Next Beyond Service. And under, so you can find it on YouTube and then you'll start up again in November and then you'll expand that particular podcast show 
given that. Um, one of the issues that you, you touched on and, and went a little bit into is how do you give or what do you recommend um, to get back that uh, when someone loses their purpose? Because like you said, if depending on the length of time, obviously the longer, the harder maybe. Um, but when you have a sense of purpose, you also have a team. You're part of a, a group that everybody has, they're working together, so you got a family. And, and that family is, is part of who you are. And all of a sudden you step out of that identity and now your identity, your family disappears with that in a way. Yeah, you still have friends with the people in the military, which you are police or whatever. But you know, you don't have the same relationship, time, you move on, everybody moves into their own worlds, right? How do you gain back, what do you recommend to people to get back that sense of, of uh, purpose so that loss doesn't affect them in, in, in a, a, a debilitating way? Right, now that, that's, that's an excellent question. Um, and how you spoke to it and you know, asking the question is, is exactly right. You know, when you leave service or you know, whether again, it's military or first responder, the people that you were left and right shoulder with, they continue on and you, you do, you lose track with them. And, and that's part of life, right? Because they're, they're continuing with the mission. You didn't about face and they kept going. And so first of all, my advice is to reach out to the veteran community, folks who have transitioned, you know, whether it's, you know, local groups like, you know, your VFWs or American Legion or, you know, if you go to like LinkedIn or uh, Facebook, you'll see there's a lot of veteran organizations out there, right? In fact, there are like 40 some thousand nonprofits that are, you know, veteran focused. I mean, there's a lot of things out there now that weren't necessarily available even 11 years, you know, 10 or 11 years ago. So the first thing is to reach out to veterans because you have a connection with them, you know, folks that you have a common bond with, because chances are you're going to have a lot in common. And those folks are looking for you coming out of service. You know, a lot of folks have their hand extended out to, to give you that hand up and to talk to you about the challenges that you may face when you do leave service. And they have advice for you. Not, not everyone has the best advice, right? But there are a lot of good-hearted people out there who served that want to give you their time. So that's the, that's the first thing. And the second thing is serving others, right? That gives such a sense of purpose. When you volunteer and the work you're doing is touching the lives of people and you see it firsthand, when you do something that helps somebody and you directly witness the impact that it has on that person, a light comes on inside of you. You know, you, you feel that warmth and that goodness of, wow. And maybe you may not, maybe you feel like you didn't really do much, but when you see the, you know, the collective impact of, of you and all the other folks working towards whatever that stated goal is of helping others and you're successful and you see that goodness, man, a light comes on inside of you and that sense of purpose and being you know, it might not be what you wind up doing, right? Uh, but knowing that you are still somebody that can wake up in the morning, 
have a sense of purpose to go do something that's positive, that impacts others, and how that makes you feel about yourself, it makes you feel good about yourself. And you should, because you're doing good, you're doing something good, and you're helping people. So connecting with veterans or other first responders, and then finding out, hey, where can I be of service in the community? And volunteering. And sometimes volunteering could turn into uh, successful runs in nonprofits where you get into a paid position for the work that you're doing. And that's good too, because you know, you're still helping people. Uh, so yeah, those are the, those are the two main things. I mean, I've got a list, but yeah, those are the yeah, two top. And I mean, and you know, so many organizations, I mean, I know, you know, the volunteering I did, at, you know, obviously the American Legion, Operation Gratitude, uh, Team Red, White and Blue, um, you know, Zero Mills, which is what Paul's group is doing. Uh, I think that's the name, Zero Mills. Yeah, I was going to mention them. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they definitely need credit. Uh, but there's so many good groups out there with good people and connecting with them is part of the process. And then the other part of it, I guess, is, you know, what percentage of Americans serve in the military today? It's minuscule, right? Yeah, it's, it's like right at 1%-ish. Right, and it's volunteer, so it's 1% of people who volunteer to serve. So, it, it, you know, it isn't a, a giant group. And so the other connection is, and in those groups as well, is the connection to reconnect uh, the veteran with the civilian population, or at least the segment of the civilian population that's willing to support that veteran and give them a hand up and give them connection or give them whatever so that they reintegrate into the civilian population as well because now it's a new identity. They're no longer in the military, they're now civilians who've served. And so, you know, they need to make that connection too and finding those groups that, you know, kind of reintegrate you is important as well, I think. Um, did you hear, I think I, you got that. What did we freeze? Yeah, I, I'm sorry, John. It uh, it was it was buffering and kind of going in and out. So yeah, know, we've that, been, that we've been having. I had issue, my really first show hear. had some tech stuff too. So, but anyway, uh, I just kind of said you know a little bit about the civilian connection too to help uh, veterans connect back to the civilian um, population, so that you know so that they get back into that new identity. Because now you're not. You're not a fighter, you're not a warrior, you're now a civilian. And so you kind of got to make that identity shift as well. So, you know, you don't, because it takes different skill sets and different mindsets to be a civilian than it is to be a warrior, in, in, in especially in combat. Um, so, you know, having those organizations help you with that is important as well. Right. Yeah, well, uh, can can you can you hear me, Duffy? Yes, I can. You're doing great, man. I, everything on my side me? is perfect. I think it's just your side is hitting okay. some kind of buffering problem. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm. I'm sorry, John. I, I'm having a hard time hearing you. Um, but uh, let, let me, if you can hear me, let me let me just say something. Um, are we good? Yep. Keep going. Yeah. Keep going. Okay. Uh, you know, so yeah, Kevin Smeagol and uh, Paul Cucinato, uh, they, they serve together too. They're both artillerymen. And at the Zero Mills organization uh, that they're running now, both him and Paul, uh, they are working with industry to help connect veterans and in industry to folks that are very employable. And they talk about 
uh, military thriving. That's the environment that they want to establish and get employers and these folks that are transitioning from service, you know, together to empower those folks to understand the goodness of the veteran you're going to get and for the veterans to understand the opportunities that are out there for them. And when you look at all the things that veterans are facing uh, when they transition, I think there's a lot of good work that goes into helping veterans who are struggling, right? Whether it's physically struggling or maybe they have post-traumatic stress, but something that a lot of folks don't necessarily get is that's not everyone transitioning from the military. Not everyone is physically injured or has other issues, you know? So I think out of the goodness of people's hearts, you know, that's what a lot of folks think of first when they think of veterans, but veterans uh, are strong and, you know, folks that are injured, they're strong too, because they have to get through all those things that have changed their life and they do. And so veterans are strong. They are able to do all the things they do in service, which most folks who don't serve can't imagine what operations are like overseas, uh, whether you're in combat or whether you're just doing whatever your organization does when it goes and trains with another military. It's very complex. And a lot of things happen that are unexpected. And you have to be able to think on your feet. And you have to be able to lead people. And these are all things that people in the military learn and they foster, you know, their Marines and sailors and junior folks to step up. They empower them to do their job, right? And they work together to get things done. These are the kind of people that are leaving the service and will perform quite well once they, you know, kind of get their legs about them. And like you say, they have that bit of an understanding of what it's like to get back into society uh, as a civilian and not the guy or gal that's doing the things they do in the military. So that, that part of the transition is, is very real, you know, kind of deprogramming for lack of a better word. And I think that's where Paul and uh, Kevin are doing a lot of good things and connecting, you know, both ends to the middle. Absolutely. And I think you make a great point um, and I hope you can hear me, but a, a great point is that most of the, uh, troops that come back are not um, suffering from PTSD or suffering from that. And so Hollywood kind of presents only the injured and the wounded as if that's all there is. But you're right. Uh, the overwhelming majority are coming back with great skills, leaders, people who can improve any company that they get hired in. So it's understanding that that's the uh, other side of the military and people, employers especially, have to understand that you're not hiring somebody with a weakness necessarily, you're hiring people with strengths, strengths that's going to help your, co uh, your company, that's going to help your community and help the country. So that's the big side of it. And then uh, just if um, my cousin from the UK, her, her um, husband served in the uh, British uh, Army and she just said, you know, the spouses also need recognition for assisting in the transition because um, it has a big impact, and especially when they're, you know, you're married and you come home, that family unit is a, a support structure for you, and the spouses need to be supported as well. So she makes a great point, and she's going through some, you know, physical struggles now. I'm not going to address that. She's just survived some, you know, 
accident, COVID, very powerful woman. And you know, her husband served for many, many years in the British military, including with the Marine Corps in Afghanistan. Matter of fact, he sent me a flag that hung over in uh, Afghanistan that the Mar US Marines gave him. So I, I just a shout out to them because they're amazing people. But that's an important point hey. you may want to address to spouses. Well, a absolutely. And, and, and I'm remiss in not mentioning that too. Uh, so excellent point uh, on her behalf. Uh, you know, in my podcast, I have also interviewed spouses, uh, both, you know, female and male spouses of, of folks who have served and talked about what that sacrifice was for them because they're moving with their spouse every two, three, four years and employment for them in a productive path over time, you know, to go from this company to that company, if you want to progress up the ladder, that's very difficult when you're changing jobs every few years. And a lot of employers are like thinking, well, okay, she's married to that Marine. He's going to probably leave in three years. How much are we going to you know, bring her into our organization and build on her? And then she's going to be gone. So yeah, there's a lot of, and I mean, that's just, it's a form of discrimination, whatever. Right. Uh, but it's out there and it's real. And so not only you're having to be a single parent, when your spouse deploys or, you know, not even just deployment. Sometimes you're traveling, you know, CONUS and you're gone for, for weeks, you know, things happen when you're gone. And I was blessed. My wife, uh, she did a remarkable job. Uh, I never worried about her or the kids when I was gone because she's extremely capable. Now I miss them. I miss them dearly, but I was never concerned that she couldn't do whatever needed to be done. And she was a very successful spouse and, and person. Uh, that's just who she is. But that's a great point. And one other thing real quick, if I may. Uh, twice in my career, I worked with the uh, Royal Marines, the British Royal Marines, as a captain with Security Force Battalion. And then on the, on the 15th MUSOC, uh, we were with uh, Three Commando. So, you know, we chopped them and you know, we kicked off the war and, you know, the South, uh, South, east portion of Iraq at the Alpha Peninsula secured the port. Then we chopped back to one MEF, the 15th Mew, and then we rolled up into Anazaria. But I have tremendous respect for the men and women uh, of the Royal Marines, the Royals, as they say. They're brilliant. They are funny. I tell you, their humor, even though it's a little dry, it's pretty, pretty amazing. And, you know, they have a a gun-ho attitude and that uh, connection Marine to Marine is a real thing, you know, across the pond. So yeah, God bless those guys and gals. 100%, 100%. Um, going forward, so your, your show, you're gonna uh, reinvigorate um, that in November. You're gonna get the podcast uh, once again. Um, uh, once you do that, I'll, I'll put that out for you and share that as well, what's next beyond service. Um, and that's the podcast that you're gonna you know, bring back. And then you're continuing to work with Power of Our Story. Is that correct? Yeah, yes, that's correct. Yeah, I'm, now with them, I'm also a, you know, I'm a content creator, but I'm also a, a board member. So, you know, we, we kind of shape the programs, uh, you know, who, who comes into the programs and leads uh, the, the different uh, groups that they have. Cause there's different groups for, you know, different needs, so to speak. Um, and so, yeah, I'll, I'll continue on with them. And 
in this next season of uh, what's next beyond service, you know, we're going to focus on community and country. I'm going to uh, look at also talking about sex trafficking. You know, that's a tough topic, uh, but it's a significant thing that's happening. You know, it's happening internationally, but America, uh, we're having problems with that. And so I think we need to talk about that. Uh, I'm going to talk about and be highlighting veteran-owned businesses. So folks that roll the dice and take the gamble and are out there with their jobs, I want to bring them in and highlight what they're doing and give them a platform to kind of advertise you know, who they are, what they're doing, and why they're doing it business-wise. And, uh, and then in terms of that keynote address that I did for uh, Wings Over Wendy, uh, over Wendy's, I want to talk about you know, and talk to future generations of America the importance of our history, what it means to be American and why they should be proud. So, you know, those are some other areas I want to open up and, and see where they lead. Well, I, I will, uh, I don't know if you'll be available, but I will invite you uh, next Saturday in your area. Uh, speaking of the issue of sex trafficking, I'm going to be down there for two days and they have um, a thing called Freedom Found Charity Ball. And, and that's for the group that uh, I went when I met you that time. It's called CERT Ministries. And it's also called the Slave Free Project. And it's an organization that is rescuing children from sex traffickers. And the head of it, uh, Pastor Rudy Gonzalez and his family, he was a force recon Marine. And so they're gonna right. be having their charity ball next Saturday uh, in Temecula. So uh, I will be attending that and I, I'll send you the information. I'll post it on the end of this page as well. If you're available, okay. it'd be great to attend. But at least I, I can connect you with them. And when you do the podcast, uh, he, he would be somebody that would be fantastic to uh, invite onto your show and, and have him share what they're doing. Because it's a, you know, once again, I don't know if it's because he was a Marine, but, you know, he, he kind of, you know, uh, makes fun about that too with everybody because Marines have a special connection. But, I, you know, he's, he, him and his family are some of the greatest human beings I've come across in my life. And the work they're doing to rescue these children is just mind-boggling. So, you know, it's just one, one more in-service kind of thing. Someone who's been in, served in the military, served as a police officer, and now he's serving uh, uh, freeing children from sex traffickers. So just some great human beings. Yeah, he sounds like a remarkable individual. And, you know, also the folks that are in his organization, they're doing well, they're doing God's work, I think, right? Uh, it's pretty, 100%. pretty amazing. 100%. And they're risking their life like they did, you know, in other aspects, because, you know, you're dealing with the bad guys and the bad guys have no respect for life, you know, especially the people uh, who are involved in, in that um, cartel of human trafficking. You know, there is no right. respect for life. So it's a, it's a dangerous group of people. Yeah, it is. Um, anything that you would like to share, uh, you know, oh, let me just jump back to one more thing with you. So, you know, you're, we'll go back to the beginning. Um, you know, when you gave that uh, speech at the uh, keynote, is one of the things you do is, is give keynotes. And that one that you gave to Wings Over Wendy's, you focused on um, the Constitution and focus on, just share a little bit of, you know, in a, a quick thing, what that speech was about and some of the speaking that you do. Right. Well, thanks for that, John. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it kind of goes back to understanding the importance of the founding fathers, uh, because I, from what I know, uh, it's not being taught maybe the same way it was when, you know, we were young and in school. Things change, but there are certain things that we need to remember and that are foundational to our country and where we're going uh, as a country. 
So I, I talked to the sacrifice of those men, uh, that they were people of stature, yet they were willing to risk everything for the importance of freedom in establishing the system we have in the Constitution. And so as you look at our history, we've made mistakes as a country, right? Uh, we've done things that when you look back on it, it's like, oh, my God, you know, that's that wasn't the best thing. But I believe wholeheartedly through looking at history and being a part of history as a Marine that we strive to get it right. We stumble, but then we get up, we dust ourselves off, and we focus on doing what's right. We come together as a nation uh, to do good. And that's how significant things are in terms of being an American. You know, what does it mean to be an American? Uh, I think it means that we are focused on being good people, that again, as we, as we grow, any relationship has problems and challenges, but we, we do come back to try to do what's right. And I think as we look at what's happening in the world, that's an important filter to, to look through, right? Because we're not perfect. And we see that things that have happened over time have caused issues and strife in other parts of the world. And uh, without getting too much into what's going on right now, when we talked about uh, listening to people, right? And you asked me about what being courageous means. Being the world's superpower, you know, it's kind of a nice place to be, but things change. And I think we need to be aware of that and that we need to be thinking about where we're going as a nation and listening to what people have to say. And on the political side, we need to knock off the BS that's happening now where we can't get along. Because if we can't get along at home, it's over. So we need to understand, again, the importance of our country, the freedoms our Constitution gives us, and to be willing to stand up for those things and do it correctly, right? You know, stay within the law, but do what's right and, and be a, a good American. I think that's a, a great way to close. I think all that is, uh, um, I 100% agree and, and respect you for sharing that with us. And once again, Scott, thank you so much for everything you've done in your life, your service on so many different levels, both in the service and outside serving people. And, uh, you know, I would... You know, I always say one of the things I am so lucky is that I just, I don't know how it always happens, but I get to meet some amazing people and I just keep meeting some of them. And you, you know, you're another person, thanks to Paul, that if Paul came, I wouldn't have had a chance to meet you. And I'm glad that uh, Paul was unavailable and you became available <laughs> and you had a chance to speak to an amazing group and we got a chance to connect because um, I, I think we'll connect even more in the future. But I really appreciate you for everything you've done and continue to do. Um, and thank you for being on the show and thank you for sharing all this with the audience. And well, well thank you for having me on, John. I was, uh, again, very humbled and appreciative uh, for the opportunity. And, you know, folks that that know you know who you are. You have an amazing story. I, I could have listened to you like we talked about when we had that coffee. I could have listened to you for, you know, a couple more hours easily about, uh, you know, who you were and who you are now, That that whole thing is an amazing story. And I feel blessed that, you know, we got the opportunity to meet each other as well. God works in mysterious ways, right? And 
uh, and he knows what he's doing. So <laughs> he's got to. Well, he absolutely does. And you know, I always say where I've come from to who I am today. I'm like, you know, I have to pinch myself every day to, you know, uh, I'm just so amazed that my life turned out the way it did because it didn't have to turn out this way. It could have turned out, you know, a lot uglier or a lot worse, and uh, it didn't. Um, so, you know, I just feel grateful every day I get up. I'm grateful and uh, I'm, I just feel blessed. So part of it is meeting people amen. like you and, and having you. So, yes, amen. A great way to end. Scott, thank you so much. And, and you have any closing words? Otherwise, we'll close it out. Okay. Yeah, I just, I just real quick, uh, you had sure. mentioned uh, a female Marine that you interviewed, Dr. Teresa Larson. Yes. She's an incredible gal. Uh, I just wanted to throw her name out there. Yeah, her and I met through LinkedIn, but then we wound up meeting in person, and she's a friend of mine. She is a phenomenal person uh, talking about service and, and giving to others. That's what she's all about, and I feel blessed that, uh, you know, she's a friend of mine, and she's a solid Marine, too. <laughs> and she and she's on my uh, YouTube channel. We had a great interview. I got a chance to – I saw that, few, yeah. few people that I have not yet met in person – but it was a great interview and she, uh, you know, she has so much to share. She wrote a book, Warrior, as well as what she's doing in the physical training space right now. And just, just an incredible woman. And just, I don't know, I, you know, it's, I, I have to say, I have, and talking about physical, I'm gonna just show this real quick because um, this was given to me years ago. I'm sure you'll recognize it. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. Yep. Pain, pain is weakness, weakness, leaving, weakness the body. leaving the body. I've wore this shirt in the gym so many times for 10 years now. The, is no, it was dark black. I don't know what color it is anymore. You know, it's been worn, <laughs> you know, in a little bit longer, the pieces are going to start falling off of it. But it's, right. <laughs> you know, it's a great message that I take, you know, that of that commitment to always push harder, to go, to go stronger, you know, to give your best. You know, I think that's one of the lessons I, I've came away from all the Marines that I've been honored to meet is that, that, you know, they shared that with me. And as a civilian, it's inspired me. So I'm, uh, I'm glad and I'm honored to know you, man. Hey, same here, John. Thank you so much. Look forward to talking to you soon. All right. Take care. Have a great weekend. God bless. Yeah, you too. God bless. All right, everybody. Um, just hopefully uh, share this show. It's great message that Scott shared of service, of uh, commitment to... Uh, others commitment to uh, country to listening to people i think it was a great uh, conversation that we had so i hope uh, you get a chance to uh, see this that you share it with other people so it can impact their lives and then check out his uh, ongoing upcoming um, podcast show and i'll be sharing that in the future so have a great weekend everybody until we uh, meet again <laughs>